Welcome, this is the Spur and Stripes podcast presented by Soy Saf. I am your host, Benji Mendoza, along with Miguel Padilla. I have some exciting talking points to talk to you about today. You're going to want to not miss out on this. We're going to be talking about San Antonio FC with some recent important signings. We are also going to be touching on the topic of VAR in the USL. And the biggest thing that people want to know is, is Austin FC going to affect San Antonio FC for 2021? Stay tuned, folks. Don't miss this one. Welcome, SoySat fam, to episode one uh, after our pilot show. If you missed our pilot show, make sure to check that out on Spotify and YouTube. But this is episode one, season one of The Spur and Stripes. Today, we're going to be talking about San Antonio FC and a couple recent signings they had during Christmas week. By the way, I hope everyone enjoyed their Christmas and wishing everyone a happy new year as we roll into 2021. Speaking of Christmas, we also got to watch Wonder Woman 1984 what are your quick uh, thoughts about that movie man hey you know what a lot of people were bashing it but i'm gonna straight up tell you i actually absolutely loved it man i mean yeah i can sit here and talk about dc all day but i i enjoyed it it was a good family flick good message some long drawn out episodes could have been better it didn't bomb but it wasn't great but it was good i loved it yeah it wasn't the greatest uh, superhero movie ever but I, I enjoyed it for what it was especially on Christmas and uh, and especially the year that we've had so it was it was nice to have a little bit of of entertainment for two and a half hours I do agree the movie's a little bit drawn out but other than that it's it's a watchable movie if I had to give it a scale of five soccer balls I'd give it a, a three and a half soccer ball rating you know what I'm just gonna give it a straight up four because come on Gal Gadot I don't care four soccer balls for Gal Gadot she's awesome yeah, and I got a quick you know, before we roll into San Antonio FC talk, uh, and then I have to give a shout out to Pedro Pascal. I think he did a pretty good job playing the villain. Um, it was kind of a little bit more I wasn't expecting. I thought he was going to be a little bit more of a Donald Trump type villain, not to get into politics, but uh, oh it, it was it was God. different. It, it was a different type of villain, and I I I I enjoyed that. So he's still better in Mandalorian, folks, in my opinion. But enjoyed it. Had a great Christmas, Miguel. How was your Christmas? It was it was pretty good, man. Um, I, I'm actually pretty excited. Uh, Christmas came a little early. A few presents from San Antonio FC. Uh, we got to see a couple signings from Matt Cardoni. He is back. The OG, the last original San Antonio FC member from the 2016 inaugural roster. And a player that we really wanted to come back in our pilot episode that we were hoping to come back was PC. We talked about him at length. He also re-signed as a central midfielder for San Antonio FC. Well, good stuff, man. Well, now that you already mentioned these two players, let's just jump right into the show. Let's not keep the folks waiting. Hopefully, everybody listening had an amazing Christmas and uh, and is looking forward to a great new year with family and loved ones. We always wish you the best. Stay safe, folks. Please follow the protocols. We want soccer back. We want you back. 
Let's get this show on the road. As Miguel mentioned, the San Antonio FC had some awesome, important signings, some new faces that we get to see, and then some familiar ones, and then one awesome veteran, in my opinion, one of the signings that they had is very important to keep the leadership and the core that um, Coach Alan Marcina has been speaking about since day one that he came and he grabbed the job. I think this individual is going to do an absolute wonderful job leading on the field. He did it last year. He wore the captain's armband a couple times, and I'm talking about Victor Pisihiro, one of the great midfielders, former MLS player, and decided to stay, decided to call San Antonio FC. Let's begin with that, Miguel. Talk to me about these signings, man. They got some academy kids. We touched a little bit about it on our pilot. They got some of the academy kids, one backup keeper, um, re-signed, and then all of a sudden we said, well, let's see what's going to happen next. They threw a new Englishman, an English lad out of St. Mary's with Ollie Wright, and we were seeing to see what we're waiting to see what was going to come next, and surprise, surprise, they said, let's get Victor PC back, and let's get the veteran between the pipes, Matt Cardone, the hometown boy, who is now the only one standing from inaugural season. Yeah, PC is definitely by far the biggest signing of this offseason as of right now. Of course, there's going to be a couple more signings as the team becomes uh, complete, as uh, Alan Marcina completes the roster. But PC was definitely an important piece to uh, the signature uh, or to the addition of this team. And seeing that, uh, you know, having him and how he played last year is very important. I think he's going to fit very well in with Cam uh, Lindy and Ollie Wright. Ollie Wright, I believe, is probably going to be end up being our right winger uh, since Cam Lindy and PC are both central mids, uh, seeing how this uh, this is uh, forming out. Of course, our biggest weakness still uh, is the forward position. Right now, uh, Jose Gallegos is the only forward right now on the roster. Um, every other forward that we had uh, last season, we touched on this in the pilot episode, is that they were uh, uh, loanees. Um, majority of them were on loan, with the exception of Luis Soniak, who, uh, Solignac, who was uh, signed to us, but he ended up going to Chile to play out there. And uh, speculation has it maybe Nacho uh, Bailon has a, a slim chance of returning to San Antonio FC, but of course that's all speculation at this point. Yeah, San Antonio FC has yet to, in, in wonderful Spurs Sports Entertainment fashion, keep their... You know, their their lids tight and uh, don't really come out with anything until the very last minute when basically all the teams have already signed everybody and you're looking at the roster and like, well, you're looking at transfer market and well, who's left? And then all of a sudden, bam, 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 they throw it on you. But I agree with you, Nacho Boulogne is one of the um, one of the guys that comes to mind because I'll be honest with you, we, we, we're without a striker. We don't have that lone striker that's going to keep those goals. Once we lost Christian Parrano and, and Lucho Solignac, it, it, it became uh, you know open open field. Who's going to be the who's going to be that ten? Who's going to put the ball in the back of the net and the, when it matters the most? And Nacho really showed a lot of um, a lot of grit in the season where he would just come off the bench and score. I think every time he came onto the pitch, he was scoring. I believe he had four goals. Or three goals. I do the guy was making some awesome, awesome shots from out there and he was really impressive. So I'm really, really hoping that he um that he comes back. But I'm gonna tell you right now why I'm excited about PC. I'm gonna touch a little bit about PC. He is going to be the heart and soul of this team going into twenty twenty one. I mean the guy is only twenty seven years old. 27 years old and before he even came to usl he was in he's he's a four-year mls uh argentine player experienced player with the vancouver one uh with um with vancouver white 
I'm, I'm sorry. He's Brazilian. Oh, Brazilian. What did I say? Argentinian. Argentina. I'm so sorry. Ah, I'm going to tell you why I'm so excited about this player, PC. He's only 27 years of age. The Brazilian player has already come with a lot of MLS experience. He's been playing in the MLS for three years, and he's with Orlando, and then went over to Vancouver, and the man's just got a lot of a lot of experience he's going to be the heart and soul for san antonio fc moving forward in 2021 yeah it goes without saying that pc had an outstanding season with san antonio i think he was one of the the few keys to the successful season that san antonio fc had uh in 2020 um but another one that we definitely another important signing that we need to really focus on is getting zachary hevero back as well i know we talk about this kid a lot but i mean he was instrumental and him and pc played extremely well you know, I, I like I like your take on Zach Kevro. Um, he came in. He's a New England Revolution home product, uh, Haitian national team member. He's been called up a couple of times, and uh, I like your take on it. I think the kid is, is is you know he's just he's young, what twenty twenty one maybe, and he he does amazing things on the field. Wonderful vision, understands the game very very well, and you know if 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 we can't get Hevro back um, to complement PC. You know, who's going to be stepping into those shoes? I think, I think it's in the works. I'm hoping it's in the works. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that San Antonio FC is not that foolish to let this kid go because he's got lots of talent and he's got a lot of potential and he played absolutely, I mean, wonderful for San Antonio FC before he got hurt. Obviously, we we got to see a little bit less and less of of Zach Havro, but we need we need this Haitian kid on the team. I mean, he's he's going to complement. I'm already seeing it already with um, our defender that we signed, um, uh, Doyle, and then going to Hevro in the middle, over to PC, to who knows who up front. But, I mean, let's add Ollie right on the wing. So we still don't have that forward striker that's going to – that true forward striker. And I'll be honest with you, San Antonio FC, we've had some great strikers. I mean, Channel set the standard. He set the, he broke every record, set every record for San Antonio when it comes down to um, – um, when it comes down to scoring goals, and now we're without that. Regardless, the man is a presence, and he showed up when uh, he showed up when we needed him the most. Obviously, a lot of folks were not very happy with him getting the starting position in a playoff spot. But when it mattered the most, he came in and he he did the job. It could have been worse in the backfield, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, so going back to PC, a uh, very important signing right there. Of course, we have Liam Doyle right now, the only official signing uh, in the defensive back part of the midfield. We have our two goalkeepers with Matt Cardoni and Carlos Mercado. And, of course, our mid- midfield is starting to shape out pretty nicely, I would have to say. Right now, it's looking pretty good with Cam uh, coming in from Indy 11. Of course, we re-signed PC uh, with Ali Wright coming in from Corpus Christi 2 and St. Mary's University. And, of course, Jose Gallegos, our lone striker right now. And then Leo Torres, our academy kid, also another midfielder coming in. So, so far, those are our official signings coming in. I know there's been a lot of um, uh, uh, criticism of SSNE uh, and San Antonio FC with the team appearing to sign lately uh, or sign, make signings later than other teams. But to, to, to be truthful, um, not every team is like Phoenix or Louisville where these teams are signed or locked their players into multi-year contracts and they can make those announcements pretty quick that their players are returning. Um, most of the clubs in the USL are have their players on a one-year contract. So the season actually ends in mid-November and then most of these contracts end on the 30th of November of that year. 
So then you have to go through the whole game again of re-signing these players or letting them go, making that decision. But there is some hope that SSNE is changing its ways because looking at the transfer market, you see that we actually have two players signed for, for two years. So uh, that being Jose Gallegos locked in with San Antonio FC till 2022. And is uh, Oliver Wright, uh, Ali Wright is locked in until 2022. So we have two players under a two-year contract. The rest of them so far officially are on a one-year contract. Uh, signed in, so we're we're gonna see if SSNE is actually maybe looking how these two players uh, produce for San Antonio FC, and maybe start locking in players for a multi-year contract instead of a one-year contract. Especially with how the union, the the union for the USL players is actually starting to grow and and gain a little bit more. Uh, how do you say power uh, or influence on the USL itself? I agree 100% with that. I mean, the the USL Players Union is there to to make sure that these players get taken care of when it comes down to contracts and playing time and and their health and all these things. And I agree, Spurs Sports Entertainment seems to be uh, signing these young players like Oliver Wright and Joe Gallegos. Joe Gallegos obviously making a lot of a lot of waves and splashes because he's you know one of the top uh, under twenty under twenty one players in the country being looked at into by the U.S. Soccer Federation. No U.S. call-ups yet, but I mean the the young man's done. An outstanding job. He had a good season yesterday, playing with a whole bunch of veterans. You can definitely see the development and the skill. You know, we, we I mean, he likes a little bit of body mass, in my opinion, a little bit more muscle. But I mean, the kid's only 19, 20 years old. You can't expect much of him. You know, at that early, at that age, when it comes down to physicality, it's all on him to grow. But he's definitely made an impact on the on the city, and he's made an impact in San Antonio FC. And for him to get signed to a two-year contract like that. Definitely is pushing forward. Will we keep him? Probably not. I'll be honest with you. The kids got some potential. He's getting looked into some by some by some by some teams. They have to be looking into this kid if he's making that much splashes. The one that I'm excited about is Oliver Wright, the boy from London, that St. Mary's, following the American soccer dream from overseas, which is amazing. Once you get once Spurs Sports, uh, Spurs Sports Entertainment gets on this kid, you'll. Don't worry, you're going to be hearing a lot more about this kid's story. It's amazing. Do not miss out on it. And if you met, if you want to take a listen to it or get a preview of it, we talked to Oliver Wright. We sit down with him in one of our podcasts exclusively over the pandemic, and he talks about his preparation. And he definitely got to where he wanted to get to. The goal was met, and then that's to become a professional player. So congratulations to him. And we're, we're more than happy to have him around. And, you know, with that being said, um, Miguel, these two young players are definitely the future of San Antonio FC. Yeah, they're going to be the the core that they're going to build around along with PC as the veteran coming in, providing that leadership. So I think that, uh, uh, well, Jose Gallegos has already played under PC for a season. They played together for a season. But I think Ollie Wright's going to learn a lot from him and as well as Cam Lindy, who, who Cam, even though he's a youngster himself, uh, has already had national team level experience. So this, this is looking pretty good right now. I can't, I mean, it's too early to make predictions on how well San Antonio FC is going to end up or how high on the table they're going to end up we got to see how the how the roster shapes out in the coming in the coming weeks um but i'm pretty sure after the new years we're going to start seeing a lot more signings uh pretty quickly uh, as the season is scheduled to start right now in march of, of course it's dependent on current world situations how everything's going to go but it's looking that it's going to start in march so you'll probably start seeing some uh friendlies here coming up in february so you know, uh, Alan Marcina and his and his staff have a lot of work to do still. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this team shapes out. Are they going to go international like they did last year, or are they going to go with more uh, homegrown uh, academy and maybe more U.S. based players uh, for 2021? No, 100. Knowing Alan Marcina's style, he's probably going to find he know he he has a, a knack to find players, international players. 
um, with the ability and the skill to, um, to 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 come over. You know, there's a couple agents, free agents that I would like to see come over to San Antonio FC. I'll be honest with you. There's there's two there's two players that I think should come over. Um, I'll be honest with you. Uh, he he was with us before, and if he's listening, it has nothing to do with you. But this is just my personal opinion. I know he took a break from Austin FC. I'm sorry, from Austin Bold. But I would love to see if there's any contact between Spurs, uh, Spurs Sports Entertainment's uh, the front office uh, with Chris Tierpak or even the, the 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 defender that played last year with Austin Bold, whose contract is over. I was just looking it over, but Jomi, his contract was over with uh, Spur, uh, with Austin Bold, and he's he's an important defender. Imagine Doyle and Jomi in the backfield. Come on, dude. There's no there's no that that's a that is a unit compared to both of them um unsigned year unsigned still that have yet to come back again we mentioned zach Havro. we want him to see we want to see him come back um no word on ethan bryant whatsoever we know he came back from overseas we signed him for the playoffs we saw a limited time on him and we you know we we, we saw some dashes and flashes he missed that one goal against tulsa but the kid was just coming right off you know the playing pitch in europe also um um uh, we haven't seen as well you know uh uh, what was this guy from Uruguay that we missed out on? Uh, Santi. Santi was on loan, so I, I seriously doubt he'll come back to San Antonio FC. Yeah, we didn't even see much of Santi, to be honest with you. No, he was, uh, I think he showed up for one or two games uh, that I remember him coming in and playing. But other than that, he was really more of a reserve squad player. I would have loved to see what Santi can do because just of the highlights of when he was playing in the Uruguayan leagues out there, um, he had some fantastic plays, uh, a, a, an accurate passer. He, he was very accurate with the long ball. But unfortunately, uh, he was on loan, like I said, and he, I doubt that he'll come back to San Antonio FC. So we're looking at, uh, you know, hopefully getting Hunter Gorski back. Uh, Hunter Gorski, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, uh, Josh Yarrow on the Yarrow. on the defense, and and hopefully maybe Kai Green can come back because Kai Green, even though he didn't see that many minutes in 2020, um, is still a very smart defensive player. Yeah, uh, let's face it. Unfortunately, San Antonio FC right now is back to the drawing board. It sucks to say. I hate saying it because we don't. Again, we don't have. The luxuries of Phoenixes and other teams have already been set in stone. They know exactly who's going to be playing and who's going to be returning and what they're going to be doing. I mean, this is only Coach Mar- Coach Martinez. Uh, he'll be in, uh, entering his second year. But, you know, we don't have that luxury of saying who's coming and who's going. So we're going to start back from the from the drawing board. Uh, we haven't signed players that were here last year. A lot of the contracts, if you look at the USL transfer markets, have already been ex- expired or they're already up for San Antonio FC with the, with the exception of those that we've already signed. The academy kids, uh, the backup keeper, um, and, uh, you know, the, the ones that they've announced. Otherwise than that, nobody's coming back. Well, we, I mean, we don't know that yet. Uh, if they're not, if they're coming back or not, I'm pretty sure they're in, still in negotiations. Or maybe they've even signed with San Antonio FC. Of course, this is Christmas week, so there's probably not going to be a lot of front office movement between now and New Year's. So as far as we know, there could have been player signings already. They're just not going to announce till after the New Year's. Um, but one thing that's been very critical of San Antonio FC uh, from the fans was that uh, Corey Herzog uh, from Reno was out there, a very successful striker, who was out there and available because Reno, of course, we know has folded. Um, will no longer be playing in the USL or at all. They actually just folded straight out uh, due to financial uh, financial problems, and of course, with the whole pandemic, was uh, issue with Reno folding, along with a couple other clubs in the USL. We'll probably touch on that here in a little bit. But Corey was available. He's he's a good striker, um, but San Diego Loyal ended up signing him. So I think that was a big whiff on San Antonio FC's part. 
No, 100% agree. It, it was a complete miss. Again, we are without that forward striker, and we'll see. We don't know what Alan Martinez, Spurs Sports, and Tim Holt have on, on, under their sleeve, and they might surprise us with some epic forward signings. So that is what we have for you, information about uh, San Antonio FC, who's gone, who's still here, what's missing. And, and you know, again, Miguel brings up a good point. It is Christmas time, and, and in good fashion, I'm pretty sure, after the new year, San Antonio uh, is going to start an, uh, announcing some of these players as to who's coming back now. Um, as far as we know, the season is um, going to be starting regularly, correct? We, March, we It's yeah. going to be starting off in March. We're going to a regular season. Again, we've already have the, the fan protocols and, and, and the guidelines to continue doing that and doing so. So is there going to be a 2021? Absolutely, there will be. So we're just going to be waiting upon that. Everything starts in March, so we need to get a team ready for March. And we'll see what friendlies come up up, up up for us and who signs for that segment, Miguel. I think that was a really, really good deep uh, conversation as to where we are as a team. A lot of, I mean, there's still a lot of uh, positions missing, but we shall see what's going what's gonna to come about it. Yeah, so going on to our next topic, we are going to go into Major League Soccer a little bit. Obviously, we have a Major League Soccer team coming into Central Texas just up the road on I-35 with the uh, incoming Austin FC. Uh, I know there's been a lot of concern for the past two seasons now with some fans here in the San Antonio area, and I'm pretty sure as well as, as Austin Bold, uh, with the impact that Austin FC will have here locally in the region. Will it impact our club, our numbers as fans? Will fans lose interest in San Antonio FC and decide to be more followers of Austin FC? Uh, these are a lot of questions and concerns, and I think there are legitimate uh, questions and concerns, but uh, we're going to break that down right now. But before we do that, uh, of course, all our offseason signings that San Antonio FC does, uh, we will be tracking, and you can follow us on SoyStaff.com and all our social media uh, pages that we have you can follow us at soy Saf on instagram twitter facebook and on youtube you can also follow us on our tv channel on youtube soy Saf tv so let's go break it in break down how austin fc is going to impact if it's going to impact at all san antonio fc so benji your quick thoughts right now on will austin fc have an impact on our attendance moving forward with san antonio fc uh, not really since, I mean, I'll be honest with you, it's not going to affect those that have already been showing up to those games that are going to be showing up. I mean, we never broke 8,000. We always stayed underneath six. I'd say in the, on, a, on a good Saturday night, on a good Friday night, or even maybe a Wednesday, depending on when the games fall in, you'll have a good crowd of four to 6,000. So, I mean, we won't hit the 8,000. People are going to go to Austin FC because, well, there's big-name players. They're going to go up there from San Antonio to go see these players. And honestly, if it's the big, you know, you have a Carlos Bella in Texas to go play in Austin. Obviously, the whole Mexican loyal faithful want to go see Carlos Bella. It's going to be a competition year for Olympics and for World Cup qualifiers. So, they're going to want to watch it. So, I mean... Has Spurs Sports Entertainment done anything to stay on the forefront of 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 Austin FC's toes? Absolutely not. They're just you know they're just a USL team going with what they can do. It's not going to affect them. People are not going to not show up because there's an MLS team in Austin. It's just going to be like any other regular team. The unfortunate part uh, that I'm concerned about is that it's going to look it's going to it's going to look like, oh, well, you know what? The quality of soccer in San Antonio is trash compared to MLS in Austin. You know, those conceptions, those misconceptions of, of people who really don't understand the game and leagues and the system. But when it comes down to 
to San Antonio Spurs Sports Entertainment and the Spurs, you know, football club, it's not going to be anything different. You know, it's not going to change anything. I mean, Austin FC is going to do what they're going to do. To they got to worry about putting butts in the fence in the stands and, and continuously, you know, commit commit themselves to actually showing quality game out there. Because for all we know, Austin FC could absolutely bow out and lose every doggone game. Yeah, they got great management. I mean, you got the historic Claudio Reyna and then Alexi Lalas is supporting them. So I mean, yeah, and they've you know we looked at some of the couple picks that they have, but. They don't have any big major picks. I mean, if anything, they they call they got a couple uh, Joe Coronas, my, the my, my number one guy that came in. Yeah, in got, my mind. And, and he ended up getting traded to. Uh, well, he didn't trade. He didn't even sign with Austin FC. He ended up going to Houston Dynamo. Exactly. So I mean, already you're getting a big name, you know, and Joe Corona, a seasoned MLS player, a seasoned World Cup participant with the United States Soccer Federation, and you get rid of him as soon as you get him to your rival in Texas, the Dynamo. It just doesn't seem like to me. For all I know, Austin FC is going to lose every game. And if there's one thing we know about Austin is that they don't like looking, they don't like looking like trash. We all know we can't compare sports, but I will tell you this much: you know, you have a a legacy in the Longhorns football, basketball, baseball, even the women's soccer team at the Longhorns, national champions, national contenders every year, and then you got Austin FC. And it looks like they're not going to have a powerful team. I don't think they're, they're going to win many games. So you got to keep Austin entertained. If not, they're not going to show up, man. Straight up. Yeah, looking at uh, the other MLS teams in Texas, uh, Houston Dynamo, they have a beautiful stadium centralized in downtown Houston. But uh, they they have trouble filling their stadium the past few seasons. And they have two championships. And they weren't that long ago. No, no, no. Um, ever since they moved from San Jose, when they were the San Jose Earthquakes, the original Earthquakes, and moved down to Houston, they won, uh, they've won a couple MLS Cups. And they recently won a U.S. Open Cup. So they're a successful squad, even though they kind of struggled the past couple seasons. They've been overall successful. And then when you look at uh, FC Dallas, that a team that's 20-plus miles north of downtown Dallas and Frisco, uh, they're, they struggle as well, too, for, for attendance. They're in the, always in the lower half of uh, MLS in terms of attendance. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that. For one, I mean, you have the Texas Heat you got you to gotta consider. Um, you know, that may be a drawback. Of course, the success of the team. San Antonio, uh, I'm sorry, not San Antonio, but uh, FC Dallas hasn't won any MLS Cups in their history since 1996. They've won one U.S. Open Cup or two U.S. Open Cups. And then, of course, Houston, for whatever reason, they can't seem to get a crowd in there. Um, even though they're centrally localized downtown, what MLS wanted, you know, in a club, you know, a beautiful stadium downtown, a modern stadium downtown, and they can't fill their seats. So looking at Austin, where they're located at, one, they're not quite in downtown Austin. They're north of of downtown. They're off of Mopac. Um, The parking, for one, uh, if you want to break it down, their parking, it really isn't almost non-existent. I think they're expecting more of a neighborhood type feel, like a European type feel for Austin FC, where the, the, the neighborhood, they want the people from the neighborhood there in the domain to be the, the main fans there and or, or come in and, and use public transportation to come in uh, for the for the games. But there really isn't much parking. So if you're a San Antonio FC fan looking to drive 45 minutes, 50 minutes up north to Austin, one major setback is going to be finding parking up there and finding parking that's going to be affordable because I'm pretty sure any parking lots there are going to come at a premium. Oh, 100% agree. I think that's going to be the biggest factor for Austin. You know, what's the pricing? I mean, if you're going to be wasting half a tank 
of gasoline to go watch them lose. Man, what are you driving, a diesel? <laughs> With Austin traffic, my man, stop and go, stop and go. I mean, even if you use a tollway, do you want to pay a toll? I don't want to pay a doggone toll. I've already paid enough to just to get to work. I'm not, like, personally, I got nothing against Austin FC. I really don't. It's an MLS team in Austin. Let them have the damn team. I don't give a damn about them really one bit. I really don't. Is it going to affect San Antonio FC? No. How they went about it, it has nothing to go to, for me, has nothing to do with how they went about it. You know, it's... It has to do more with, like, look, you're, you're way down in domain. Me, personally, as a soccer fan, dude, I'm a New England Revolution man. And you know that. I've been, since the beginning, and folks that are listening, you're like, oh, my God, Benjamin, you a, a Rev fan? Absolutely. Since the day they created one of the original teams in the MLS, the New England Revolution, that was my team. I mean, I'm a huge Joe Max Moore fan, and that was one of my favorite guys. And he went to New England Revolution, and I absolutely love that team. Will I go all the way out to Austin to watch Rev? You know, I'm going to think about it. It depends. If the Revolution are having a good year, good season, and they end up meeting Austin FC on a good on a good note, yeah, I'm going to go watch them to go beat the living crap out of Austin FC because that's me, and I will go in my in my Revolution gear. And you know, I got tons of it, Miguel. So I that's just me though. But what do I dread? First of all, I don't want to pay for parking. I've already I've already seen some of the prices. I mean, just to be a season ticket member is up in the thousands. To be honest with you, there's no point. I don't want to go there and sit on the nosebleeds on a hot Saturday. There's nobody. There's no person of interest for me in Austin FC. There really isn't. And I mean, it's just that's just an Austin thing. You know, that's straight up. It's going to be an Austin thing. In my opinion, again, it's not going to affect San Antonio FC one bit. If San Antonio FC is going to do something about it, when? freaking games win the stinking cup make it look like you are the daddy of central freaking texas in my opinion yeah definitely so i I know eventually these two clubs are going to meet whether it's in a friendly uh or in a u.s open cup match these two clubs will eventually meet hopefully sooner rather than later i would love to start building some sort of derby with these with between these two clubs um but uh you're right in terms of where austin is located at in the domain it's, it's very difficult to get to um, they very they look like they have their demographics set in. I mean, with the prices of some of these tickets, um, but I mean, it, it, soccer's open for everyone, right? So it, it's a it's an international sport. It's a beautiful it's the beautiful game. But um, as a business side of Austin FC, you're looking at they, they clearly have who the demographic the demographic they're wishing to get, which is more or less the upper middle class type stuff. I really haven't seen anything, and, and I could be wrong because I really don't follow Austin FC. Um, anything that they've done for the lower class community in terms of like what you have in South Austin or East Austin or some of the other they talk in Spanish. They talk in Spanish. Los Verdes. That's their thing. They're, they're, they're pandering to that group, but nobody's really taking the bait. You know, nobody's really biting on the hook. Well, Los, Los Verdes, uh, I think is, is a good thing. Um, I think they're in. I actually aren't they independent or are they part of Austin FC? Um, I think they're independent. Actually, they're independent. They're the supporter group that uh, you know they're independent from. Yeah, Austin. So I wouldn't call it pandering. If they're independent, I wouldn't call it pandering. I think they are trying to get something for the Latinos. But it, and, and and again, like I said, I can't really speak for Austin FC because I don't know they they're how deep the relationship goes with the Ver- Los Verdes. Um, but I think it's great that they have something like that. You know, in terms of for the Latino community and for the minorities. Um, but going into like what Austin FC will do, I mean, in the future, of course, remains to be seen. And now and, and kind of drawing that back to San Antonio FC, you know, what have we really seen them do for South, some of like the communities in South San Antonio? Major facts, bro. Major facts. Um, it depends on who you ask. Really, honestly, over the last five years. Yes, folks, we've been around for five years and 
Yeah, we didn't get an MLS team as per year one with the hope of getting an MLS team. So now we're just going to talk about San Antonio FC as a USL. They tried to get Cheno. That was huge. And he, he brought people in. He, he excited. He sparked everybody up. He made the he made the he made the fans believe. And Chen embraced them like it was his own. Like he had been there. You know, we've um I I've I've reached out to Chen, um and see how much you know he 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 misses he misses the fans. He misses the environment straight up. Um, but has San Antonio FC done enough to get that lucrative Latino community in San Antonio? Straight up, no. No. When you got more people coming into a Chivas for an SPD sports event for Chivas and Leon or a or a Tigres and Pumas and the fans are packed to the rim, you know, 8,000 people and then it's San Antonio FC versus a Mexican league and you can barely get six or four. I mean, come on, dude. That says something about what you're not doing straight up. So we'll see. Maybe 2021 is going to be different for San Antonio FC, but they have yet to bring in the Hispanic loyal community that you know once they fall in love with a team, they're absolutely just involved and passionate about that squad. We don't have that. Yeah, in terms of their marketing, uh, when I, what I saw in 20, of course 2020 is kind of different because of the year that we had. And, you know, of course, eventually all this is going to pass and life will return to somewhat normal. But, um, you know, looking in the past of their marketing, when San Antonio FC held a watch party, you know, they would hold it out of Twin Peaks way out there on the northwest side or somewhere that it seemed like it was almost impossible to get to unless you lived on that side of town. You know, um, I really never like the few times that I'll go out to South San, South San, South side of San Antonio. Um, you wouldn't see really anything on the billboards, anything in Spanish. Uh, you know, the advertising I would hear was in English radio. I wouldn't really see anything on, on Univision, Telemundo, or whatever, you know, in terms of, of commercial, commercialization. And, and we're just talking strictly business, you know, here. You know, you're, you're, you need to tap into a market. If you want the brand of San Antonio FC to grow, you really need to tap into this market. I mean, the tickets are affordable. That's awesome, right? You can get tickets for as low as 10 bucks. So it, it's affordable for a family to come in. But the people need to know that, hey, you know, we have affordable tickets. You can come in. It's a great quality of game it's a great atmosphere let's bring in some more people you know you have a great product there san antonio c has a great product a beautiful stadium we all know this um but in terms of the business aspect of it i think that their marketing is kind of lacking and 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 a certain demographic now going back to well austin fc affect san antonio fc that's all up to san antonio fc and these are talking points that we're bringing up that have affected san antonio fc without an mls team just 45 to an hour drive up north and you know it's just concerning talking points that we like to bring and it's, it's one of those things where we shall see what what the future holds for us this upcoming season mls and usl obviously go on at the same time um but one of the biggest things you know that's concerning for us is well what is san antonio fc doing to stay up front and in charge of central texas hell of a topic miguel hell of a topic yeah, definitely. So we'll we'll see how San Antonio FC does moving forward. We're going to move on to our next topic, which is the ever, ever controversial VAR. We've seen it in other leagues. We've seen the officiating in the USL. Oh, my God. Ooh, don't there's, even mind. There's been times where I have to bite my tongue on the sidelines. I mean, I am only human. Um you know, but, uh, you know, as, as a photographer, you know, you're there to capture the game and capture history. But there are times where there are some questionable calls. You're like, whoo, man, that was that was something. 
Um, and then, of course, the fans voice their, their their opinions on on the ref, and you could definitely hear it. Um, and it's not only here in San Antonio FC, but throughout the league. We watch other games um, on ESPN+. Plus. You know, we, we enjoy watching other games as well across the league, and you see some of these refs with these horrible calls. We saw on the same weekend on a playoff game, where uh, San Antonio FC actually got, uh, we could say it's controversial, but two two goals. One was taken away from San Antonio FC, and then it was that controversial handball that ended up scoring for New Mexico. It could have been a handball. It couldn't have been. Um, and then, of course, Phoenix that same night also had a handball that helped them advance. And that was a much clearer handball that helped them advance into the USL uh, playoffs. So the question is, should the USL invest in VAR? Absolutely. And here's my point. Do you remember back 2017? They had VAR. USL had VAR. They had, were testing the VAR in the USL. And I remember, I can't remember what player it was against San Antonio FC. They went into the VAR. And I remember 2017, I'm like, oh, yay, they're having VAR. And they did it at Toyota Field. And, you know, it was cool. You know, people at that time were like, oh, it takes away from the integrity of the game. Fast forward to 2020, moving into 2021 with a World Cup with VAR. People were like, hey, this is not bad at all. I'm going to straight up tell you, if the USL needs it, hey, USL, get it. Because your officiating is absolute trash. And I guarantee you that probably 70 to 80% of all the USL fans that sit in the stadiums are 100% behind that. Probably even more. I'm being nice. 70 to 80%. I don't, I don't even want to say 100 but these officials are absolutely checked, need to get checked and rechecked. You need a VAR system. You need somebody to review some of these absolute pathetic calls, which takes away from the player and takes away from the integrity of the game and really honestly just takes the joy out of it. Because now you have an absolute trash official out there making calls like if he's the damn god of football. And it's making me so freaking mad and it upsets me for the game and upsets me for the league and it upsets me for the player because players have lost careers because of foolishness, because officials can't get control of the game on stupid questionable calls and expelling players for no stinking reason. VAR must be a must and needs to be brought back into question in USL because USL, you have an absolute major problem. Yeah, USL is a league that takes itself seriously, and obviously it, it has aspirations to be a strong Division Two. And I'm sure in the back of their minds, uh, they're hoping for some sort of pro rail in the future with MLS, some sort of partnership with MLS. So they want to be a league that's taken seriously and not be looked as a farm system league or or a barnyard league, you know, or anything like that. Um, VAR is a vital part to that. I, I'm in total 100% agreement with Benji. Of you know, for the, I've actually been on my mind for the past couple seasons. Of you know, USL should have VAR, um, I, I, but the VAR by itself is also not going to cure a lot of a lot of these issues that that the USL has. It also needs to get with pro refs. Pro ref is the the uh, overall governing body of these referees in the US. They they also um, provide referees for MLS as well. And majority of the uh, colleges, universities, and high schools. Uh, so they're the governing body that that overall covers the the professional referees in this country that aren't FIFA certified or FIFA qualified. So pro refs actually needs to do some sort of training or some sort of they need to change their training. Their their 
what they're doing different to make sure that these refs are calling the games correctly, whether it's watching more video. I mean, I, I really don't have 100% the answer to do that. I mean, there's I'm pretty sure there's people smarter than me that can figure that one out on the refing side in terms of making better quality refs. Another thing, too, that, that's kind of hurt the referees is what the quality of referees is that the USL has grown a lot in the past couple of years. It's, it's, it's exponentially grown, so that thins out the quality of referees throughout the league. But again, that should be no excuse because you should have the uh, pro refs having better trained referees. And it shouldn't be that hard to have some sort of curriculum where they can train these refs um, along with VAR. I mean, we look at EPL and it, and like you said earlier, Benji, it really doesn't take that much away from the game. And honestly, it, 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 it I think it overall maybe even improved the quality of the game in the long term because now defensive back lines have to stay keep in mind that, hey, there's VAR that we have to keep a straight line to make sure that the offside looks a little crisper. Right. Yeah, 100% agree with that one statement, man. I mean, I'll be honest. And, and in a way, it, it also improves the strikers as well because the strikers now have to realize VAR is around and they have to stay on side. So, I mean, it improves both both sides of the ball. 100%. I mean, the defenders need to keep a tight line as far and, and forwards need to keep in step along with the play. Will it going to return? I don't know, man. There's no talk about it. The USL is not interested in it. Um, to be honest with you, does it need to happen? Absolutely. It's an absolute major concern uh, when it comes down to the game because there's a lot of players and there's been a lot of games. And one of them, let's go right back, is not only that handball from New Mexico, but that Liam Doyle goal was a goal. It crossed the damn line. That should have been a goal. It should have been a 1-1 earlier. And that really, honestly, that one freaking call kept it from us. Because that wasn't a goal. When Liam Doyle came in and they said, well, was it a goal? Yeah, it was an absolute freaking goal. Go back and look at it. We got ripped off while Phoenix benefited off it with that straight-up blatant Asante handball into the back of the net. Freaking trash, Miguel. Yeah, so bottom line is USL needs to implement VAR, whether they look at it as a, as experimental for 2021 or sometime in 2022 and beyond. They need, eventually need to have VAR. So what are your thoughts, guys, on VAR? Should we should the USL have VAR? Make sure to comment on our social media. Let us know what you guys think about VAR. We'd love to hear your thoughts about it. And, of course, if you've made it this far into our show, uh, again, thank you. Thank you for listening to us, SoySaf fam. If this is your first time listening, uh, again, we appreciate you listening to The Spur and Stripes, where we talk all SAFC and everything SAFC related. So going on to our final topic. Let's talk about one more topic real quick. How about uh, ProRel for USL? I mean, the way it's looking, the way it's looking right now with pro relegation, you have the USL one and the USL. I think it's a format. I think it's a prototype. Uh, not prototype. I think it's a uh, testing phase for USL. Is it good? Absolutely. I, I'm a huge firm believer in pro relegation. That way, these big top teams stop, you know, playing for just money and they start playing to stay in the stinking game, stay in the league to do better. And, you know, because there's these, there's others like everybody else, you know, everyone's hungry to win a championship. Because I can, I, there's teams that in the USL that can easily be teams in the MLS. Really, straight up, I'll be honest with you. There's some quality teams. I think a Phoenix can go into an MLS, but then you want to talk about, oh, well, the US Open Cup, US, MLS always destroys uh, a USL team wrong it's not always we've had USL teams go all the way into the semifinals all the way and even win the US Open Cup you know so it's it's foolish to say that USL is an inferior league it's foolish to say that MLS is superior league it's just a recognized major league soccer and professional sports in America plain and simple do we need a pro relegation 100% in this country we want to 
find our Messi, our Ronaldo. We need pro relegation in this country so that teams can stay on top of it. And it's going to increase the quality and it's going to make the player want to play for the game to win for the fans. Yeah, MLS has been definitely hesitant on the pro rel talk. I know they when whenever it's asked, uh, people like Don Garber and the people in charge of MLS are pretty much answer with a non-answer in terms of pro rel. They won't say no, but they won't say yes either. USL looks like it's setting itself up for pro rele- relegation uh, with the USL one, USL two, and the USL championship. But right now, the pyramid in the USL is pretty uneven because you have about thirty plus teams in the USL championship, only about eleven teams in USL one, and then countless teams in US. So there's going to have to be a reshuffling uh, in terms of how the pyramid is structured before we can talk about serious talk about the USL championship, uh, USL 1 and USL 2 having pro relegation. So you might have maybe start off with USL 1 and USL championship and then and then eventually add USL 2. So, I mean, there's a lot of changes that need to happen. Um, you know, we, we'll discuss that in a future episode. We'll go into deeper. We'll dive a little bit deeper about ProRail with the USL. But that is our time for today. So we appreciate you guys, again, listening. Make sure to go to SoySaf.com to all the latest articles and stuff that we have going on, the latest breaking news for off-season uh, transfers, moving in and moving out for San Antonio FC and, of course, for Benji. And this is your co-host, Miguel Padilla. We wish you all a happy new year. We will return with episode two of the Spur and Stripes after the New Year's. Y'all enjoy it, and we'll see you in 2021.